0: Hello, uh, if you were listening to my shoulder podcast, um, I actually got a phone call. So it, um, cut me off of recording, which I didn't know what happened. So, um, I went ahead and published it as part one and I'm going to go ahead and continue with part two. I'm not quite sure where we cut off. Uh, I know we were going over the special test. So I'm gonna back up just a little bit and start with shoulder impingement. So the, the shoulder impingement tests are pretty common. You have Hawkins Kennedy, Nears, and the Job test, which is also known as the empty can test. To test posterior subluxation of the glenohumeral joint, you can perform the jonky test. The jonky test reproduces posterior shoulder subluxation by stretching the forward flexed arm and then moving it into shoulder adduction with the elbow flexed. A positive jonky test will present with a clunk as the shoulder reduces from its sublux position. So um, a superior labrum anterior to posterior lesions or slap lesions You can test this by performing the O'Brien's test. The shoulder is flexed at 90 degrees, elbow extended, forearm pronated, and the therapist presses down, and then it's repeated in the same position, but with the forearm supination. The O'Brien's test is positive for a slap lesion if pain is elicited in the pronated position but relieved in the supinated position. Pain on top of the shoulder suggests AC joint abnormality, but pain inside of the shoulder suggests a slap lesion. Moving away from the test, uh, we're gonna go into serratus anterior strengthening exercises. So the serratus anterior function performs scapular abduction and upward downward rotation of the scapula. Some strengthening exercises that you can do for the serratus is the dynamic hug with the TheraBand, supine straight arm punches towards the ceiling, and push up with a plus. A biceps tenodesis is a surgical procedure where the biceps is taken off of its insertion into the humeral head and then anchored back into the bone. A biceps tenodesis is a common procedure for biceps tendinosis. Post-surgery, you want to immobilize the elbow at 90 degrees for two to three weeks, and then begin active extension, but passive flexion is not performed until four weeks, or I'm sorry. For biceps tendonitis post-surgical, you will immobilize the elbow at 90 degrees for two to three weeks, and then You will begin active extension, but the therapist will perform passive flexion. Active flexion begins at four weeks. Light resistance at eight weeks. And the patient can return to full activity and lifting at three to four months. A biceps tenotomy. Tenotomy, I'm sorry. Biceps tenotomy. Uh, The biceps is surgically taken off of its insertion and left to fall down into the upper arm. A mumford procedure is a distal clavicle excision. A capsular shift surgery may be completed with shoulder multidirectional instability. The rotator cuff interval is the anatomical space between the supraspinatus and the subscapularis, and it's reinforced by the coracoacromial ligament. An arthroscopic subacromial decompression is also known as an acromioplasty. The coracoacromial ligament is detached from the acromion to decrease pain from persistent impingement. An acromioplasty is often indicated in young athletes with with stage two impingement. Passive range of motion begins immediately post-op and you progress to active range of motion as tolerated. This is typically in four to five days post-op. Resisted exercises following an acromioplasty, is performed at three to four weeks. A Bankart lesion is where the labrum is torn from the glenoid. This results from a traumatic anterior shoulder dislocation and results in anterior glenohumeral instability. With a Bankart lesion, The patient will often trial three months of therapy prior to surgical intervention in order to improve stability. Surgery is indicated if instability remains post-therapy. If the patient performs heavy work, which will require good stability, this is your heavy manual labors, or if there's severe instability requiring a repair to prevent future dislocations and permanent injury to the axillary nerve. Post-surgical Bankart repairs, the patient will be in a sling for three weeks. It's okay to perform pendulum exercises. An OT can perform passive motion with 30 degrees external rotation and 90 degrees flexion. At three to six weeks post-op, active and passive range of motion can be progressed, but you have to avoid painful abduction and external rotation. At six weeks following a bank art repair, you can begin strengthening. Full external rotation should be reached by eight weeks post-op and return to unrestricted activity at 3 months post op a hill-sachs lesion is impaction fracture of the proximal humerus where the humeral head is impacted against the rim of the anterior glenoid during an anterior dislocation a slap lesion is a superior labrum anterior to posterior lesion. This is a tear of the superior labrum in the biceps tendon from the glenoid. An anterior shoulder subluxation can occur with repetitive swimming during the backstroke when the anterior capsule is overstretched. For shoulder instability, There are two types. You can have the AMBRI or the TUBS. The AMBRI is an acronym for asymmetrical, multidirectional, bilateral, rehabilitation, inferior capsular shift, and interval closure, A-M-B-R-I-I. This is non-traumatic instabilities. A TUBS, acronym stands for traumatic, unidirectional, bank art, and surgery. This is treatment of shoulder instability caused by trauma. So a patient with shoulder instability, an AMBRI means that it's basically multidirectional, bilateral, and non-traumatic. But a TUBS shoulder instability Will indicate trauma and it's unidirectional. And this will typically require surgery. Periscapular strengthening, you can perform push up plus, which is a push up with an exaggerated scapular protraction at the top of the movement. This is performed in supine. The Push Up Plus specifically targets the serratus anterior and middle lower trapezius muscles to facilitate dynamic shoulder stabilization. Periscapular strengthening can also be performed with prone extension, horizontal abduction at 90 degrees with full external rotation, the lawnmower motion dynamic hug, and a wall slide on the form. An inferior capsular shift surgery is performed on patients with multi-directional instability and have failed to respond to therapy. The capsule is excised and then re-anchored to the glenoid to tighten the capsule and regain stability. For an inferior capsular shift surgery, post-op, the therapist needs to limit external rotation to 30 degrees for six weeks to prevent stretching and tearing the repair. A minimally displaced proximal humeral fracture through the surgical neck should only be placed in a sling for seven to ten days. 80% of proximal humeral fractures are slightly displaced and most fractures are stable. Following a glenoid humeral arthroplasty, the subscapularis is the only muscle that is transected and then repaired upon closure. Therefore, external rotation must be limited post-op to protect the repair. For a shoulder arthrodesis, the um, so this is a joint fusion. So the glenohumeral should be uh, usually fused in thirty degrees abduction, thirty degrees flexion, and elbow flexion. I'm sorry. Let's start over. For shoulder arthrodesis, which is a glenohumeral fusion, the Shoulders should be fused in 30 degrees abduction, 30 degrees flexion, and 30 degrees internal rotation to allow the ability to feed oneself. A proximal humeral fracture places a huge risk of severe hemorrhaging or paralysis due to the proximity of the axillary blood vessels and the brachial plexus. Now let's discuss the difference between open chain versus closed chain exercises. Open chain exercises are working against resistance where the extremity is free to move in space, resulting in movement of the distal segment. An example of an open chain exercise are weighted cane exercises. Closed chain exercises are working against resistance with the extremity stabilized or motion constrained by an object or surface. Examples of closed chain exercises are quadruped weight bearing, ball rolling against the wall, seated press ups, and wall push ups. With a reverse total shoulder replacement, the prosthetic ball is on the glenoid side and the prosthetic socket is on the humeral side. Candidates for reverse total shoulder replacement is someone with end-stage rotator cuff arthropathy, severe OA, elderly, low-demand lifestyles without the need to reach greater than 120 degrees, They must have a functional deltoid, and they must have sufficient bone on the glenoid side to allow for secure screw fixation. Post-op of a reverse total shoulder replacement may dislocate in the position of shoulder adduction, internal rotation, and in conjunction with extension. This is like your waiter's tip position. For adhesive capsulitis, pain will be present with gentle passive external rotation. Active and passive range of motion are limited with external rotation being the most limited followed by abduction and then internal rotation is the least limited. Decreased and painful external rotation over all other movements is considered the hallmark of adhesive capsulitis. You have two types of adhesive capsulitis, or also called frozen shoulder. You have primary and secondary. Primary adhesive capsulitis is the term used when frozen shoulder is not related to any other shoulder problem. Secondary adhesive capsulitis occurs in patients who develop decreased shoulder range of motion after trauma or shoulder surgery. You never want to perform aggressive passive range of motion and most adhesions occur in the anterior inferior positions of the capsule. Therefore, this should be the focus on treating including joint mobs, modalities, and stretching. If significant improvement is not seen in six months, then a manipulation under anesthesia is considered. For referred pain of the subscapularis, it will refer to the posterior deltoid area the scapula, and the posterior arm and wrist. So again, the subscapularis refers pain to the posterior deltoid area, the scapula, and the posterior arm and wrist. The infraspinatus refers pain to the anterior deltoid region, the shoulder joint, and the medial border of the scapula and to the front and lateral aspects of the arm and forearm. Most shoulder injuries involve the subscapularis because it is the main stabilizer. It's also the largest of the rotator cuff muscles. AC joint injuries are caused by landing on the acromion during a fall or a blow to the lateral shoulder. There are six types of uh, AC joint surgeries uh, or injuries for classification. Type 1 is a sprain. Type 2 is subluxation. Type 3 is dislocation. Type 4, the clavicle is displaced posteriorly through the trapezius muscle. Type five, there is gross disparity between the acromion and clavicle. In type six, it is dislocated, uh, la- the dislocated lateral end of the clavicle lies inferior to the coracoid. For types one through three, they will perform conservative management, but types four through five require surgery. The terrible triad of the shoulder is a rare combination of anterior shoulder dislocation, a rotator cuff tear, and neurologic injury. Again, the terrible triad of the shoulder is a rare combination of an anterior shoulder dislocation, a rotator cuff tear, and a neurologic injury. Patients over 35 years old who report persistent pain and weakness after shoulder dislocation uh, may have this. Uh, An MRI and EMG are used to help diagnose. The terrible triad of the elbow is a radial head fracture, a coronoid process fracture, and a posterior dislocation. So a terrible triad of the shoulder is an anterior shoulder dislocation, a rotator cuff tear, and a neurologic injury. Whereas the terrible triad of the elbow is a radial head fracture, a coronoid process fracture, and a posterior dislocation. For glenohumeral joint mobilization, a posterior glide and an inferior glide improve shoulder internal rotation. An anterior glide improves shoulder external rotation. The infraspinatus can be palpated by placing the patient's arm at 90 degrees flexion, slight horizontal adduction, and external rotation. The cell sign is a radiograph finding which appears as a cell from a boat sign of effusion in the anterior fat pad of the elbow. A normal x-ray of the lateral elbow, there is a small anterior fat pad just anterior to the distal humerus. When there is effusion present, this anterior fat pad is exaggerated and looks like the shape of a cell. So I apologize for having to split up the shoulder in two parts, but uh, sometimes that helps anyways to be able to listen to a little bit at a time. I hope that you are enjoying my podcast and it is helping you. Have a good night.